Welcome to the Limitless Entrepreneur Podcast, your weekly dose of strategies and mindset tools to build a business in alignment with your purpose and to get you playing a bigger game. I'm your host, Nicole Leno. Hello and welcome to the Limitless Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Leno, and I'm here with a special guest today. Ms. Dominique Malali is here. She is a profit and wealth strategist and consultant and founder of Financially Fierce Females. Love that name. <laughs> she helps women in business create consistent cash flow, maximize profits, build business for scale and personal wealth, and create financial independence in seven years or less using proven strategies. It's a really important part at the end there, using proven strategies, that this is actually <laughs> built on something that's real, that yes. you have measurable success. And that was why I'm so excited that you're here with us, Dominique. Welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. And thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. And yes, yeah, so as you, you spoke about proven strategies, I am um, I definitely um, walk my talk. Um, I have been in the financial services industry for over 20 years, been a business owner for over 13 years. I've built two multiple six-figure businesses, and I also created financial independence at the age of 31. So I don't like to say that I, I know everything because you know that's never the case, but I definitely know a lot that there is to know about building a profitable, sustainable business, sustainable being the key word, um, and one that can be leveraged to build personal wealth. Um, so it's a big passion of mine. Um, and I really believe that women in business, not just women in business, but women in general, should, everyone should be financially empowered, unapologetically successful. And that's the tagline that I live by. You know, money is nothing to be ashamed of. It's something that we should be more uh, openly talking about about, um, but really understanding how to build a business and utilize it to create, you know, generational and legacy wealth for yourself and your families is really, really important. And it's a big part of my mission as well. Yeah. And, and I'm excited because today we're going to be talking about, oh, excuse me, losing my voice there a little bit. It's Halloween. <laughs> and I was outside with for a parade this morning. So I'm losing my voice. Sorry about that. I, I'm excited because we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about some mechanics of money, but we're also going to be talking about, you know, it's the operator. It's, it's, mm -hmm. it's not so much. And, and this is, I think the misconception. And I think, and I'm curious what your thoughts are because you work with women, your mission is women. What do you think is different for women with money than men with money? Like why do women, why is your mission to have to rise, to raise women up? Yeah. And what challenges do you see that are unique for them? Well, 100% it comes down to emotions. So women are very, we're very emotive and we're um, driven by, we're very heart-centered, okay? So we might have, we, ha we all have the, the balance of the two energies, the masculine and the feminine energy. Um, but when it comes to building wealth, when it comes to making money, when it comes to having money and asking for money, a lot of women operate in their feminine energies. So when I was a financial advisor, because I was a financial advisor for a number of years as well, I've really seen the difference in the way that men responded 
to some of the strategies or the proposals that I'll be putting forward versus how some of the women would respond. And so for women, really understanding the awareness piece of emotions and how that shows up and presents and manifests in your life and your business is really the key to changing your financial circumstances, both in and outside of your business. So emotions is the number one thing that I would say is the difference between males and females when it comes to relationships with money. And talking about that, talking about emotions, how is it that emotions get in the way? How is it that, that what, what is it about men have emotions too? So, so what is it though about the relationship with money and with, is it the decision-making? Is it the, is it in the moment being able to manage the emotions and the stress mm. and the, yep. the not knowing what is it that you see specifically that comes up with women versus men? I, and I, I'm only calling out the men's side to yeah. just, this is the, my listeners are mostly women, some are men, um, but, but mostly women just to give them that, that side by side to say like, this, this is the control group. This is what I see that's happening differently. And truthfully, wealth is cr- controlled by mostly men in this world. So what are they doing right? (laughs) Yeah, it is. Well, men are very analytical and very unapologetic about the decisions that they make. And a lot of that stems from society, uh, patriarchal conditioning, you know, how women, um, how we have been conditioned as a sex versus how male, male or male counterparts have been conditioned. And so men are just unapologetic in what they ask for. And with a woman, a lot of the time it goes back to worth and deservability. And that may not be a conscious thought or awareness at the time, but, you know, our all of our beliefs, all of our money stories, all of our habits um, in relation to money at the present, like present day have come about from compounding decisions, beliefs, thoughts and actions from the past. And that all stems from our childhood. And, you know, up until the age of about seven, we are in a state almost of hypnosis where we see things literally as a child. Uh, sorry, as a child, we see things in a literal sense. So mm-hmm. we will interpret a situation And we don't have the rationing skills to think, okay, well, you know, for example, if two parents are fighting, okay, and and that obviously happens with um, divorced parents, you see people fighting over money. A child's interpretation of that may be money is evil. um, Mm. It's bad. I don't deserve that because they're fighting over it, whatever it may be. And when you see these, when these scenarios and these experiences play out enough and they compound enough, they then start to form a blueprint for your emotional response based on that subconscious belief. So it's not a, an awareness, that um, a conscious awareness that you have mm-hmm. day to day. But what happens is because it's so embedded and it's been there for so long, it will be triggered by a um, emotional or a physiological response. So you'll start to stutter, okay? Or you'll start to have a blank thought. For example, if you're in a, um, a negotiation with pricing, mm-hmm. you'll either stutter, you'll have a blank thought, uh, you'll instantly go to discount your products or services mm-hmm. because all of a sudden there's a feeling, an ill feeling that comes with that conversation. And it's nothing to do with that conversation. It's based on a set of beliefs and a set of experiences that you may have had in the past where something felt to you feeling unsafe, undeserving, unworthy. And it's completely illogical as as an adult. But as I said, these experiences and the way that we show up in our relationship with money, a lot of it, by the time we get to, you know, 
15, 16, 17 has been imprinted in our early years. And so that's why with the money mindset and the wealthy mindset side of things, the awareness piece is the biggest part. And it comes from recognizing your emotions first, because a lot of these subconscious, a lot of these thoughts are buried. They're buried deep. So it's not like we have the thought first. The first awareness is this feels uncomfortable. I feel unsafe. I feel judged. I feel bad. I feel guilty. I feel shame. Those are the things that we start to feel. And when we feel that as a woman in business, especially when we're talking about our pricing or we're looking to raise prices, we're negotiating with contractors or suppliers, we need to recognize that, okay, maybe this is something that we need to work on or explore here a little bit deeper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and the awareness piece is, and I think you, you brought this up and I, I think it's so important to just kind of highlight here. It's that the feeling is what you're going to feel first. You're not going to know that the belief is money is evil. Most of us don't think that we have the money beliefs because that sounds weird. You yeah. know, it's like, okay, Jeffrey Bezos might be evil, but not everybody who has money is evil. Yeah. And so like, we might be able to rationalize that, but if it's in your guts <laughs> is kind of how I look at it. Like it's, yeah, it's in it's your gut reaction. It's not your head reaction. No, no. And you know, you're told all the time to follow your gut. Well, your gut could be pulling you away from what you want because there is a mess of emotions and thoughts and feelings about the thing that you're actually going after. Absolutely. Absolutely. And also as well, you have to recognize that you know, for a lot of us in service based with service based businesses, we're heavily into personal development. So for us, you know, when someone says to us, it could potentially be a money block or a limiting belief, we know what that is. But if we look at the outside world, it just presents as a feeling or a habit. So the feeling, as I said, is shame, guilt, uncomfortable. They don't really know what it is. But the presenting habit may be um, constantly being in, in a cycle of paying debt. So they pay off their credit card and then all of a sudden, six months later, they're there again. Or no matter how much money they're earning, they seem to have more month than they do money. So all of them, all of those, again, are symptomatic um, um, demonstrations of, you know, how your relationship with money may not be supportive of you creating a highly profitable business or creating wealth. And we see as well with a lot of female entrepreneurs is they get to a certain level in their business and they'll start to plateau. Their revenue will start to plateau. And again, it's because we start to bump up against certain feelings and underlying beliefs that really prevent us going to that next level. And we see it, you know, when you talk about uh, going to six figures, for example, you see uh, presenting behavior, sorry, presenting beliefs such as, you know, I have to work really half my money mm-hmm. or, you know, in order to earn more money, I'm going to have to, you know, work longer hours. I'm going to have to be responsible for managing a team and all of these responsibilities and associations, or it could be that, you know, people will start to single you out because you're earning that type of money. So money beliefs will always be there, but as I said, it, they don't always present as a belief. They usually come as a feeling and a habit first. Yeah. And, and sometimes these things can, can start to feel like you're doing a good thing for yourself. Some of these, even if you are aware of the thought, it might be, I 
I can't be a good mom if I'm making that much money because it's mm. going to be so much responsibility. It's going to be so much time. I'm never going to see my family. I have to do the right thing for my family, Yes, which is to back off and accept that this is as good as it gets for me. And I'm just yeah. happy with it. Lies, 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 lies. <laughs> and that gets packed into your body and you know, expect those those concessions that you made to come creeping up later on because you really didn't feel that. You Absolutely. said it and it's, it's a good thought. It's just, it might not be the truth. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and absolutely. it doesn't have to be that way because it's a belief about how the future will be. Yeah. That's holding you back in the present. Yes. Because of something that happened in the past or something that you were taught in the past. Yeah. You know, I came from a corporate background and I worked like a dog and I said, I'll never do that again. And then I'll find myself working really hard. I hit an income plateau. I hit an, I call it an income ceiling. Mm-hmm. I call it my own inner glass ceiling because you felt like you're shattering them all the time in corporate. But then I came out and I was like, you know, now I would, there's no one holding me back. Oh, except me and my yeah. stuff. <laughs> no, I don't have anyone to blame anymore. I have to look at, I have to look inward instead of being like, <laughs> it's that boss that didn't appreciate me in my work or. Yeah. And that's scarier for some people, yeah. isn't it? To take that responsibility. And you, you gotta own it though, because yeah, 100%. Uh, if otherwise you'll stay where you are. 100%. So how much of it in your experience then is, is it strategy mm-hmm. of business building? versus the inner game. And is there a time when that balance shifts where in the beginning, is it a certain amount in in your experience? What, what do you find? So I would say it's 80, 85% mindset and Mm. 15% strategy. And, you know, in the first early stages of your business, that probably even it's probably even 90% of it because you're in that cycle of feast and famine. You're trying to create consistent income and you really don't have the financial security that gives you the compounding belief that you can generate the money that's required to pay you a consistent income. So really creating solid foundations and really working on your mindset in those early days is fundamentally important. And then, but the mindset blocks, you know, and the mindset limitations don't go away as you scale your business you just come up against new ones. So as you get to six figures and multi-six figures, then you start to face things around investing in the team mm-hmm. and thinking, okay, well, I've got this consistent revenue coming in, but if I invest in the team, that now means I have someone on the payroll, which means, and so all of those thoughts and those mindset block uh, limitations start to come up. So our mindset, I always say, it's like brushing your teeth. It's something that we're always going to have to do. It's something that we're always going to have to work on. But I do think in the early stages of your business, it can be a lot more limiting in the way that you show up and do business because you don't have the evidence just yet to give you the confidence to really be able to move forward. So it is something you have to be really, really mindful of. Um, but as I said, it is always going to be something that is going to be there. Um, it's a new level, new devil, or sometimes mm-hmm. it is a new level, old devil. And it's something that maybe comes up as you scale your business. We all have a, um, you just mentioned it, an income ceiling. We all have an amount of money that we're comfortable earning. So as we scale our business and as we begin to take more money from the business, we have to make sure that we're comfortable receiving that as well. Um, Because sometimes what we see happen 
is as businesses scale um, and as the revenues increase, so too do the expenses. Because again, there's underlying beliefs or habits that maybe they're not worthy or they feel uncomfortable. So they start to spend in ways that are not necessarily of um, in alignment with the growth of the business or actually in building personal wealth. So it's, yeah, I would say it's it's normally around 80, 85, but in the early stages of your business, it's it's heavily around mindset. Yeah. And I, it, it's funny. I always say 80, 20 and you, you, you even went higher than I did. And because I, I, I think it gets, un, and especially in the beginning, you think you need to be a technician and yeah. you you can get, and that's a crutch, like the, the strategy, the skills, that's all a crutch. That's the stuff you can hire out. Absolutely. You yeah. do have to understand the jobs that you're hiring out for. hundred percent. So yeah. you know who to hire. And I've made that very expensive mistake before where I've yeah. hired people and been like, they'll just take care of it. And then them being and getting really crummy stuff back because I didn't know enough about yes. what I was asking for. Yes. I wasn't yeah. far enough along. You know, you hear something is the answer. So beware of the crazy testimonial of the strategy that instantly worked for someone. You are not privy to... Yeah that journey they had before they signed up with that coach, with that exactly. strategy, I guarantee you, they tried 80 of them before yep. that went somewhat well. They had yep. some success. Yeah. I mean, and I've seen that with, with all sorts of things, programs I've been a part of where I've had great success and I've seen a lot of people having it and everyone thinks that, well, that will be me. Yeah. And that's wonderful, but it might not be you. You have to assess your own business. Yes, but the mindset part is the part that nobody feels like they should be investing in in the beginning. It's it's everything, <laughs> everything. Like I said, I've been in business for thirteen years. You know, and you know, sustainability is the most important part. You cannot um, negate the failures. You know, all of the 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 down moments that you will have. Being an entrepreneur and being a business owner is really about building resilience. And it's a constant muscle you have to flex over and over and over again. So this nonsense about, you know, build a business and make 90K in 90 days. Yeah, that might be great as a one-off, but sustainable, in terms of sustainability, unless you have the parameters, and that's where the strategy component comes into it, to have built that business out then that's not something that happens overnight. And that's where the mindset piece comes into it. Because guess what? In the early stages, no one's interested in what you've got to say. That's the truth. You've got to, you've got to do whatever you need to do to get people to pay attention to you. Yeah. So we have to keep showing up over and over again. We have to fail and we have to be prepared to fail because the faster we fail, the quicker we learn. And it's from those learnings. You know, one of my friends says the money is in the mistakes. And it really is true. From the mistakes and the lessons come the biggest um, learnings in terms of really learning how to leverage and grow your business in the future. And that is a journey. That is a step-by-step process. It's not something that you can accelerate your way to and just hope that you can bypass all of that. And I think, you know, especially being in the online space, a lot of people need to be a lot more transparent about the struggles, not just the successes, because the struggles come before the successes, before the sweet spots of being in a, in a place where you can show up and create 90,000 in 90 days, for example. And we know 
know that businesses can do that, but they've built out the systems and the foundational core elements of building a sustainable business first that then allows for that. And I think that's really important because I think, especially with obviously everything that's happened with COVID, we've seen a lot of new uh, entrepreneurs come into the online space. And I think this is glamorization that is going on because people make it look so easy. And being in business is not easy. As I said, you it is the best form of personal development you could ever get being in business because we have to negate all kinds of stresses that being in a corporate role and being, being paid a consistent guaranteed salary every single month doesn't come when you're a business owner. You've got to go out and hunt and gather and earn your bread and butter. That's the only way that you get paid. And as I said, we build, that's where you have to build your brand. And that takes time. Building an audience takes time. Building that credibility and that trust and that no, no trust and like factor takes time. So I think we just need to be a little bit more honest about what it actually takes to create sustainability and profitability in your business. And what I will say on that point as well is sustainability comes before profitability because a lot of people want to, as I said, they just want the quick wins and they want the business that they can um, pull the money out of without actually building up the supportive framework to ensure that their business is still standing in five years time. And that's really what is most important. No, and I mean there, there was there was so much in there. I was like, there, there, yes, 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 yes. yes. <laughs> the, well, I think one thing that I want to add to that ninety k and ninety days analogy that you gave there, that example of someone who can do that. Um, if you haven't done the mindset work, you won't be able to keep the ninety grand that you exactly. made in ninety days. It'll go away. You won't know where it went. It'll disappear. It happened to me. I get it, and that was do yourself a favor and start doing the money work before. This should be an ongoing thing. Mm -hmm. If you can't invest a big amount right now, buy a book. There's lots of them. Buy Dominique's book, (laughs) The Money Code and How to Crack It. (laughs) They're all like this. There are cheap, very, very affordable ways for you to start learning about this. Listen to lots of episodes of this podcast. Listen to Dominique's podcast. There's there's a lot that you can be doing and, and take these messages to heart because yeah. the reason that you're not hearing them out in the world with your friends who have corporate jobs is I call it that they still live in the paycheck paradigm. Yes. So they look at you as insane. And <laughs> yeah. as long as you, you, you need to shift over into the creation paradigm, you go from the, I trade time for money. I show up, I do a thing. Someone says, yep, she was here. Pay you. There's yeah. that paradigm. And it's wonderful for lots of people, but if you're choosing to shift over, you have to start shifting the way that you look at money, the way that your relationship to it. And you say, I create money. I'm a channel for money. I open channels and money flows to me. And that's the energy you've got to be in. Mm-hmm. You can't look at your clients as the, the, the employer that pays you, or that will start to screw up your energy around your the way you're able to believe in your ability to earn. Yes, absolutely. Because that world is very transactional. Yeah. And being a business owner is all about providing value. And, you know, and so we get, we get paid in accordance with the value that we provide. And, you know, so the other thing that I see as well is, is this whole charge your worth notion. Mm. And I think it's very dangerous because I, you know, I'm, I'm my worth is, limitless as is yours mm-hmm. as is everyone's 
you know, I, you know, I could say, well, I think I'm worth, you know, a million pounds a year, but that doesn't mean that the market demand is there. And so what we need to do is make sure that we're, we're charging in accordance with the value that we're providing. And that is, can be demonstrated, but that other world, like you mentioned about the corporate and, you know, our friends and family who live, you know, um, in the paychecks paradigm, their relationship with money is very transactional because they're, they're ticking a box. They show up, they spend eight hours in an office, you know, five days a week and they get paid at the end of the month. It's not like that for an entrepreneur. And, you know, in the early stages of your business, you're going to have to put in hard time. You're going to have to put in hard graft and you may not see the financial rewards of that, but you have to believe and you have to stay in that abundant mindset of knowing that money is an infinite supply. It is all around us. The universe is abundant in the way in which it um it sinks and it way it communicates. It's always there for us. You know, it's true. Gabrielle Bernstein wrote the book, if you haven't read it, um, called The Universe Has Your Back or Always Has Your Back. And it's true. It's so, so true. You know, the universe is always conspiring for our greater good. But we have been conditioned to live in a system that limits us and limits our capabilities and the value that we provide and the value that we can give and all that we have to offer. And that's what entrepreneurship offers us as, as an individual, as a creative. So it's, yeah, it's, it's a really important, important distinction to understand that, you know, and that's why communities as well. And people like myself, like myself and Nicole are so important is, you know, you need to surround yourself with people who are like-minded and speak the same language, you know, and have the same, um, come up against the same challenges and obstacles that we as business owners face. Because unless you live in this world where, as I said, the first couple of years, you know, can be very up and down and you're living in the cycles of feast and famine, it can be quite hard to keep going and be motivated and still remain high vibe as well. Well, and I, I kind of want to bring up the fact that, you know, that's what holding space is when you're, mm-hmm. when you have a coach, when you have somebody, you, you know, it could be a peer that you have in your world, but just make sure they're a little bit further along than you, because you're going to vibe with the vibe that you're around. Yes. And if there's somebody who's like, yeah, that sounds terrible. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And they just start apologizing to you instead of holding the space for you to feel everything that you're feeling and then remind you that you have the choice to choose better. Mm. Mind you that it's all around you and remind you that it could be one email away. And you go, but I don't know. I don't know. I only have so many people on my list. <laughs> what if nobody buys? And you go, but what if they do? Exactly. But what if they do? Because it really does come down to that. It comes yeah. down to you probably have a million ideas a day about how to create money and you mm. don't move on any of them or maybe one. What if you moved on three? Mm-hmm. What if you didn't make them such a big deal? What if you thought it through enough that you felt good about what you were doing, but you just, it's your ability to move on inspiration is going to be, and the, and the energy that you hold as you do it is going to determine your results. And that sounds like something that it sounds fake to people who are just probably jumping into this world and to people that are even familiar with the concepts. If you haven't fully experienced it yet, I guarantee you have somewhere and you probably didn't notice it. You probably brushed it off as a coincidence mm-hmm. or you've hustled your way through things and you've convinced yourself that it was the hustle. And you can certainly hustle your way to, to money for sure, to a certain degree, but you'll then beat yourself up about you know your ability to do it again because God, that was so much work. I don't think I could do it again. I don't know if, I, if this is for me. 
and you go through your mental gymnastics around all of that stuff. But, but if, if you, I, I promise you that this is true. And I try to highlight people like Dominique and, and other people in this space who have made this work and who understand it in their bones. And this is their experience. And this is what they teach. Because when you start understanding this, this is how you get to dance mm-hmm. with life. Yes. This is yeah. how, this is when your business becomes play. Yes. This is how you might have a little breakdown in the morning because you got to feel all the feels, but then yeah. you're right back to leading yourself through it. And you have the best idea that's ever come to you. And you turn that into a five grand day, a 10 grand day when you thought it was going to be a disaster when the day started. Yeah. That's what I'm talking. That's what we're talking about here. And in the last couple of minutes that we have here, I just, you brought this up in the beginning and I don't want this episode to end without us talking about this. I want to talk about women asking for money. Yes. (laughs) I want to talk about women asking for money. I want to talk about, uh, about that. And what is your experience with that, with, with asking, with charging, you know, if, if that, if you roll the two together, like, can we talk just a little bit about women asking for money? Yeah. How long have we got? We won't need to hold it. I know, right? I know. I know. I'm like, <laughs> there's not enough time, but I, I, I really don't want this conversation yeah. in without touching on this at least. Yeah, it's it's the biggest thing that women in business struggle with is asking for money, asking for the sale, um, charging in accordance with the value they're providing without discounting for their services or feeling guilty. And so, you know, this is one one of the biggest and, and quickest things that we have to get over as a woman in business, because it's the quickest way to burn yourself out and, you know, have yourself feeling resentful and demotivated and just capped at full capacity because you're unable to create space, which is what money does. When you have money, it brings choice. It brings freedom. And so it's really important that we we get into a mindset of understanding that we're running a business and we are there to make money. You know, yes, we want to create impact, but we first need to make sure that we're creating an income and we have to be unapologetic about that. And that is a real mindset shift in understanding that your business is there to provide you with a lifestyle, but we need to make sure that we're charging in accordance with pricing to profit to make sure that the business is profitable first. And a lot of women don't understand that because they're afraid to look at their numbers or they tell themselves, I'm not good with money or I'm not good with maths. Mm. So it's getting into the mindset of understanding that People want to pay you for what it is that you have to offer. And there will be people who are not willing to pay, and that's fine. That's where some of your um, other services, you know, like free podcasts or books or whatever it is that you have in terms of your value ladder, come into that. But when it comes to pricing for your premium services, for example, or the courses you're putting out, there are people who will be willing to pay for what it is that you have because they see the value in what it is that you're providing. But aligning that with our belief is sometimes where the disconnect comes in. Because if you don't believe in yourself and the transformational value that you're offering, whether it be a product or a service or whatever it may be, then why the hell would anyone else believe in that? So self-belief is the biggest component. Being a woman in business, we have to believe in what it is that we're promoting. We have to believe in the value that we're providing, and we have to be unapologetic about the prices that we are charging as well. Yeah. And, and like when are there, is there anything that you advise your people to do to make sure that they are 
asking, is it just about sticking to the price? Is it about being out there a certain amount? Like what, what do you see as like ways for people? So someone who's listening to this, they can take this away and, and I use this to get better at asking. Yeah. So the first thing is to really understand, there's no getting, there's no getting away from the strategy side of things, which is knowing your numbers. You need to understand what your baseline costs are in your business first to understand, okay, where am I bringing the baseline? And then what's the profit on top of that? Because the data removes the emotions from the decisions Mm. that you're making. So once you have a clarity of that, you know that, okay, well, actually, if I start to discount on this, that means that I'm actually no longer going to be profitable. And that means that that impacts on the consistent salary that I can take home and investing in your business. So getting to know your numbers is a first thing. The second thing, and this is a really um, good technique that I was taught in my early years when I you know, first went into sales, is state the price and then say nothing. Yeah. Give it space. So say just exactly, create the space, just say nothing. If they have a question, don't worry, they will ask. But what we as women tend to do is we state the price and then we almost talk ourselves out of the sale because we start before we've they've even had a chance to respond or think about the proposal we give them all these reasons why they should be investing and sometimes that can actually detract and can actually cause you to lose the sale so again it comes back to confidence confidence you know courage comes before confidence so you have to have the courage to state your prices and then the confidence to just stay silent and allow them to ask any additional questions that they may have and as i said just know that you're not going to win every client there will be clients that will say no but nine times out of 10, it has nothing to do with your pricing and everything to do with the value, either the perceived value or the articulated value. So either, again, your confidence is coming into that and they don't maybe believe that you can provide the value um, to them or for them, or it's that you maybe haven't articulated it conf- uh, Sorry, you haven't articulated it well enough for them to really understand what it is that they're getting. But it's important as well to know that, in business, we're going to get no's, we're going to get rejected, and we just can't take it personally. It is what it is. It just is what it is. Exactly. Well, you you touched yeah, like you just hit on it right there. It's not personal. No, it is not personal. And I think that that you know, coming full circle to the beginning of this episode where I said, you know, what's different about men and women? I I think women take it personally, and men don't do that as much. No, um, they they have a they have a different separation. So it's it's not so much. I actually I I see a lot of times that that once we harness our emotions, women are incredibly powerful. When mm-hmm. you learn to use it, that's what stepping into the feminine energy is. It's 100%. not that you don't have it; it's you don't have control over it yet. You haven't yep. tamed your goddess yet. You yes. haven't you haven't let her out and learned how to communicate with her and flow with her. And yep. when you do, that's when those emotions coming through you are power, not mm-hmm. not a hindrance and not 100%. Not something that shakes your ground and throws you off balance. It's yep. what shakes everyone else up. Yes. And they yes. feel that shit. Yes. Um, <laughs> you know? I, lo- I love that. I'm just, as you're talking, I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Because, you know, the truth is, is that we as females, we are the most powerful beings on earth. And it's the reason why the patriarchal system exists. Because if you go back thousands of years, women were the, were the dominant sex. Because of all these things that you've spoken about, women are actually such 
powerful creators and manifestors. And, you know, when we tap into our intuition and when we dance and we play with life and all of the amazing abundant space that we have in the universe, that's when magic happens. And so, you know, we've just got to get out of our head and fall back into our heart. And that is an energetic thing, but that is a strength and definitely not a weakness. That's where we have an upper hand against the opposite sex, shall we say. And when you start looking at it that way, when you start embracing it, and particularly, you know, I came from the corporate world where it's a, that is a masculine place. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, you, you, you have a background in sales too, <laughs> like, you know, that is bro culture. Yes, I was on wall street, like bro. So it, that, that I, and I can tend to lean that way because I think when you're an intelligent woman, I think when you're good at things, I love to learn. I love to, I, I love to fix problems you can mm-hmm. lean into those skill sets, those more masculine skill sets. But when you start dancing with the other side of you, when you start to listen to what she's telling you and play, you are unstoppable. That is an untapped 100%. resource for you that you want to learn how to harness and, yep. and let out. Yeah. And it does not mean that you need to be naked on Instagram. That <laughs> doesn't mean... <laughs> Harnessing your feminine energy, not and that is totally fine if, if that's your vibe. But yeah. I, I I find for myself included, I would look sometimes and I'd be like, do I have to be either like super masculine energy or like a priestess? Because mm. if those are the only two options, I don't really fit into either of these worlds. And, yes. and just recognize that there's a community out there of very strong, vibrant women who don't travel like... I have friends that do that. And I think they're amazing. It's just that that would feel very inauthentic to me to show up that way and trust that trust that, you know, who you are Yeah, and and follow your voice. Yeah. And that's so important. And I'm just, I'm so glad that you brought that up because I think it's really important. So, I mean, I'll I'll share just a little bit about my journey. I I went full circle with that. I was, you know, as you said, I was, I, I was also in financial services and I was a financial advisor ego-driven industry, Mm. male, it's very male-dominant. I'd walk into a room of 100 advisors, I'd be one of two female advisors. And there was plenty of times where I was assumed that I was the coffee girl, right? Mm-hmm. And so I constantly felt like I was having to prove my worth, you know, and I was very masculine in my energy. I was very assertive, very aggressive, very dominant. Um, and, you know, probably out of my personality, I'm pro- probably more masculine than I am feminine. Mm-hmm. But that burnt me out because I was chasing the hustle and the money and trying to keep up with all of that. And then I came out of corporate world and then went the complete opposite way and, went, and then had this shame about being assertive and, and, and you know, being direct because I've been told to round my edges. That's the way I've been conditioned as a female in, you know, because men can be aggressive, not aggressive, can be assertive. But if you're a female, you're a bitch. And so I went the complete opposite way. And so it's taken me probably, I'd let's say, the best part of like the last seven or eight years to really find that balance between the masculine and the feminine energies and be unapologetic about it and know that in order to run a successful business and into order to create and have all the things that we desire, you have to have both energies. And at one time, you'll be more masculine than you'll be feminine. And at other times, you'll be more feminine than you'll be masculine. But there's nothing wrong with that, you know, and we need to be, um, be more open again about that because I think some people think that, well, if you're masculine in your energy at a certain time, then that means that you can't be feminine and you can't be a goddess. 
And listen, I, I love traveling. I'm a massive, you know, I love boho. I, you know, I walk around with bangles and gypsy skates and all the rest of it. That's the goddess side of me. But when it comes to running business and making decisions, I'm very masculine. And so I think it's really important that we recognize that that's okay too. It's owning your energy and 100%. feeling authentic. Like back to a word you brought up in the beginning was feeling authentic and unapologetic about who you are. That's, you know, men were never taught to not be unapologetic. They're like you said, they are assertive. They get mm-hmm. rewarded for that. It's yeah. a man who knows what he wants, knows how to get it. Yeah. And, yeah. and women, it's like, she's such a bitch. I don't know. There's yeah. just something about her. I don't like, who does she think she is? Yes. Yes. And, and if you think that that's not in your body, if you grew up hearing that even on television, even in like, I heard it all over. I did a whole thing about like, you know, the worst thing that you could be called when growing up was conceited, which Mm. you're full of yourself. And boys weren't called that. Nope. Boys weren't called that. Just girls. And so, so that seeps into all of it. And, and yeah, just trusting your authenticity, trusting you. Yeah, is, absolutely. Is the underlying thing. Well, I loved this darn episode so much. Thank this you. So me fun. too. I'm so excited that you were here and that we got to do this. We talked a while ago and I've been excited to have you on and I'm so happy that you are here today and you shared just so beautifully and openly. And I thank you for that. I'm so grateful to you for that. Is there anything you want to leave the listeners with before we wrap up? Um, no, maybe just touching on what you said, which was, you know, be, about being authentic. I think no matter where you are in your business or in your life, that is the most important thing is just do you. Be authentic to who you are, be authentic to your values and what's important because it's very easy, especially in this day and age with social media, to get caught up in everyone else's busyness and definition of success and happiness. And you know we can often veer off course and that's where we become unhappy and you know, we unmotivate and all those things. So just stay true to who you are. Don't change for anyone and lean into all of those good parts of you, all those strengths that you have, double down on all of that and the successes and everything else will come. Beautiful. I love it. And I love you, listener, who's still here with us at the end. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for being a part of this conversation with us. We appreciate you. And remember, you are only limited by the limitations that you accept. And when you stop accepting those limitations, that is when you become limitless. And that's what we want for you. So go out there and be limitless, people. I will see you next time. If you loved this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this podcast. And if you want to stay in touch with us, we would love to have you as a part of our Facebook community, Practical Manifestors. It's a community for process-driven women looking for clear and actionable steps to embodying a life of wealth and alignment. Join us at Practical Manifestors in Facebook or go to www.innerceogroup.com.